Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ray and Tay Today. Talking sports with friends. Bella, just talk about sports. Here it is, y'all. We're on the air. Sit on the sofa, throw your hands in the air. We're talking sports, so you can come on and listen. NFL predictions, what you're missing, nothing. We Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, tall Ray side. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it's long overdue. We heard the noise. You've been missing us, and we are back. Ray, it's Super Bowl 54 preview, and before we get into it, we have to honor our guy, Kobe Bean. Brian, rest in peace. We're going to do it quick, folks, but Ray and I have been doing this for too long not to recognize someone that has been a part of our lives and your lives forever. Ray, just give us a great memory. Maybe you want to run through all the great stats, the 20 years, but a great Kobe memory. What What's the Mamba mentality for you? You know what it is for me? I think it starts – First of all, it starts the day he was traded for, right? Traded for Vladi Divac. Jerry West trades Vladi Divac for this kid who's coming out of high school, whose father's a borderline, you know, NBA player, ends up making his hay in Europe. And you say to yourself, okay. Then that same summer, he brings over Shaq. So you have the beginning of the dynamic duo, the dream team. And to me, it all starts in that Utah series where he throws up multiple air balls at the end of that yeah. playoff series. And the whole question about who Kobe was, is, and would become on the basketball court, obviously, was how he responded from that. And I heard a story just now that after they got home late night, he went right to the gym. He didn't even go home. He just came oh, you know he and did. went right to the gym and was shooting his shots. And to me, that is the personification of what Kobe was on the court. Just worked on his game, worked on his craft. He was motivated by two things. I think he was motivated by Michael Jordan, the ever-present Michael Jordan, where anybody who you know came into the league after 1988, call it, when Michael Jordan started to really stamp himself as, as the best basketball player on the planet. Everybody since then, whether it's Kobe, whether it's LeBron or Iverson or, or anybody else, it's saying, I want to be better than Michael Jordan. So that's number one. And number two, his just desire to outthink you, outwork you, and then to step on your throat. So his unrelenting desire to be better than you and to be the best he can be is really unparalleled. I mean, this guy was probably the smartest guy in the league, both you know on the court and off the court potentially. But he worked at his crap all the time. Whereas everybody else, you know, you heard these stories about everybody else, like Charles Barkley, who's our guy. We love Charles Barkley. Was out oh, yeah. partying and was out till two, three, four in the morning when they had a you know a noon game. But Kobe didn't do that. Kobe was all about the game and it was all about getting his skills right, and this guy was just everything you wanted to be when it comes to a student of the game 
And in that respect, I don't know that anybody will ever have the drive and dedication that Kobe had. So not only did he have the God-given talent, but he had the drive, determination, and the intellect. And if you listen to him, uh, LeBron's like this too, right? But if you listen to him break down a game, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that spotlight segment that he does for oh, ESPN. Yeah. It's amazing. And so oh, details, you know, yeah. Details, right. He was almost the, the perfect combination of desire, skill, and determination. I, I think you nailed it. For me, you know, listening to the outpouring of love, the lights of the Empire State Building, Neymar, tennis, Djokovic, everyone, um, you know, even him and Gigi meeting uh, Luca, and he spoke Slovenian to him and was talking smack to him. You know, I think Kobe was international growing up in Italy and, you know, going to Lower Marion and graduating from there and going to the pros. He had that Mamba mentality from the beginning. And Tracy McGrady gave us great insight that he lived with Kobe for a while, and I never knew that when they were younger. And he said they used to watch the tape, and he would pause the VCR, constantly rewind it, looking at Jordan moves, and he would copy it. And Kobe, he said, Kobe always said, I'm going to be like Mike. I'm going to be better than Mike. And then I'm going to be immortal and die young. Now, obviously, you know, that changes once you have, get married and have a family. But that's what Kobe, young Kobe said to Tracy McGrady. He told Michael Jordan, and even Stephen A. Smith talked about it, that, you know, I wish you and I played in our prime because I would have I taken you. I would have been better than you. And that's what it took, that Mamba mentality. It's always that striving for perfection. You know, Kobe was the ultimate, uh, like me, ultimate Virgo, grinding, working hard, like I'm not going to be defeated. You know what I mean? Deep water faith. And Kobe just, I mean, 81-point game. The, the last game, 60 points, but we saw it. And, like, you nailed it with the Utah thing. You know, the only smudge that you really would put on his career was with him, Shaq, Carmelone, and Peyton losing to the Pistons. He's 5-2 and two in finals, 18 all-star games. I think he played in 17 of them, 20 years with the Lakers. Basically, his stats are 25-5-5. Five, and five. He's the second best shooting guard ever, and for both of us, he's a top-10 player in history. So... You know, we just honor Kobe, his daughter Gianna Gigi, who had the Mamba mentality. She was saying, yo, I'm going to play at UConn. I'm, I got this. He doesn't need any sons. And all accounts. <laughs> yeah, and they said she already had a step back fadeaway. Are you kidding me? Oh, my heart just breaks. And you're, I'm a father of four sons. You're a father of girls. And I know fathers with girls. And that bond is insane. And to go out that way and the seven other people, the baseball coach, Joe Atabelli, and the family that, you know, that lost the, the kid, the two kids at home, and they lost the, the, the wife, the husband, and the daughter, and then the other mother and daughter, the pilot. It just, it's beyond heartbreaking, and we just wanted to say thank you, Kobe. It's, it's, uh, this is a tough one. I think everyone even has said it's Super Bowl week, Ray. They, they're going through the motions, but nobody's like, really feeling the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl week. Even the football players have been talking about Kobe. This is a hard one. It's going to be with us for a while. And the Lakers yeah, will play tomorrow night. Sport. Oh, he definitely did. He definitely did. So let's get to it. So, like we were talking about off air, it's uh, Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers, the two best, you know, tight ends in the league. First time ever you've had – all pro first team, second team tight ends battling in Kittle and in K 
Kelsey, you got Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you've got Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to let you start off first. You know, we're going to look at the offense versus the defense. We'll start with the Chiefs offense. But the spread, the Chiefs are favored by one and a half. The over-under is 54.5. Ray, what do you think about this KC offense and going with the Niners defense? You know, I think this is the interesting one. Uh, even though I think that the other way around is actually where where the game is going to be decided. But you really exactly. have. I mean, statistically, I think the San Francisco 49ers is the number two defense. Um, but for all intents and purposes, this is a matchup that is so hard to emulate in practice. It's a whole it's a defense <laughs> that you really – and you give John Lynch credit, right? You think – if you're building a team, Jimmy Garoppolo fell in his hands, right? He gave up a second rounder and he had to pay a lot of money to him. But ultimately, you don't get a starting quarterback that easily uh, these days. But, you know, it, think I about think what Belichick, Belichick was frustrated and gave them a, a, a nice little gift because he could have got two number ones from the Cleveland Browns. Maybe. I, I, mean, I mean, the pick guy, so you figure Cleveland knew of him and knew him. And that, that's for another day. But. If you look at this Kansas City Chiefs offense, right, Patrick Mahomes is, and we talked about this a little bit off air, you know, he is going to get paid next year, and he's going to take up a third of the salary cap. He's going to make $40 million, so they better win now. Um, but, he, you know, good for him, right? He, he's the guy who's next up in line and deserves it, right, because there's a bunch of guys like Jared Goff and, and maybe even you could argue Wentz and Prescott that are – getting paid because they're, it's their turn. But this guy, it's his turn, and he's the best at what he does, uh, certainly at his age, right, and given his trajectory. He's so, a face of the NFL Patrick, now. You know, I think he's he really is. Elite. He's young. He's talented. He's, you know, I just hope that he's not Dan Marino, you know, goes to the Super Bowl in his second year, and then we don't hear from him uh, again. I don't think that's the case. But Patrick nah. Mahomes is awesome. I think with Patrick Mahomes, you just need to play within yourself, and, and you'll be fantastic. What happens with Patrick Mahomes to me is he gets, as long as he has time and as long as that front four doesn't pressure him, then it could be, it could be pinball numbers. You know? Now, granted, this San Francisco defense is great, but it comes down to you know, can these guys get to him? Can Buckner, can Bosa, can Armstead, can all of these guys get to him Solomon Thomas, D Ford, look how deep they are. Can they get to him? Because if they can't, Patrick Mahomes, not only does he have weapons, but those weapons have speed, right? You think to yourself, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Damian Williams are fine. But then you've got Nicole Hardman, you've got Robinson, you've got Travis Kelsey, first team, or, or you could argue first team, second team. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Kelsey and, and Kittle are, are kind of interchangeable that they're so good uh so to me it's all about san francisco's pressure with the front four versus kansas city's ability to run deep routes you know if kansas city allows patrick mahomes to hold the ball more than two or three seconds then i just don't see san francisco's secondary holding the speed down i just feel like too much speed too much too difficult and as good as Richard Sherman is, and as good as that defensive, the back seven is for the San Francisco 49ers, I'm just not sure that they have the speed. I mean, 
think about if you're if you're Mosley and Ward. You know, Sherman's been there, but Mosley and Ward right now, what are you thinking? I mean, you're thinking to yourself, it's hard because, Ray, they honestly, you know, they mix up, you know, you know, two deep safeties. They, you know, they play kind of like a, a man zone coverage, cover three. I, I think the, the really interesting matchup is Quan Alexander being back. And if he's close to 100%, which, you know, he probably is, up, yeah. you know, little banged up, but how are they going to match up with Kelsey? And then with the Chiefs, do they activate Shady McCoy? I got to believe they do. So it will be him and Damian Williams. And let's be honest, both of them are very talented receivers out of the backfield. Now we know Mahomes can extend plays. And so that could be a difference when you're dealing with Bosa and Arik Armstead and DeForest Buckner and Thomas, but they get rid of the ball so quickly, and there's a lot of yak out there, right? Like the old Jerry Rice and John Taylor yak. Well, it's Tariq Hill and Kelsey, you know, with the yak. So this is going to be fascinating also to see Robert Salas in the chess match, D.C. for the Niners against Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, you know. And we got to give also, Eric yeah. Bieniemy some love. He doesn't, he doesn't get enough love. Um, as the OC, but, you know, he's been a big part of this and will get a head coaching job hopefully sooner than later. But um, I think a lot of people are rooting for Andy, but this is, this is a big one for Pat, you know, Patrick Mahomes. You've got to believe the Chiefs could be here, you know, the next couple of years in a row if, you know, before, you know, they get so much, like you said, with, you know, the salary cap and, and whatever. Did but, you hear um, talk about Sammy Watkins talking about he may not play in 2020? His money's not guaranteed next year. He's supposed to be. Well, they're gonna they're gonna year. cut him to free up uh, cap space to probably pay Patrick early. Um, he's a luxury that they can't have, and they'll have to get like another. You know, they're looking for another corner. So this is Sammy's last game with the Chiefs, basically, because you but know Nico Hartman's gonna right take now, that spot. Is that if that's in your head right now? I'm thinking that's not a great sign, right? You you want to be focused on the game. You want to be focused on yeah. letting your play on no, the field. No, you're right. I I think he'll. I actually think he could be one of the sleepers. We'll talk about later. I think Sammy's got a shot to do something. Um, but let's go. I'll start with the other side of it. Let's 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 get into the Niners' offense and the Chiefs' defense. And this is interesting because you're talking Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew. Um, Terrell Suggs, T. Sizzle. So you have some veteran guys, and I think you have a defense that's kind of feeling themselves. They held Derrick Henry to 70 yards when he had just come off of two games in a row with like almost 200 yards, 180, 175 plus. He was a beast. And they stepped up, and they've been ripped and maligned all year. And Frank Clark's got a chip. Terrell Suggs could go out with a Super Bowl victory, his, you know, second. And, and, and retire into the Hall of Fame. And then the Honey Badger is really clutch, and he feels that pressure of wanting to, you know, replace the great Eric Berry and, and step up. But you've got Kittle, who's the master of yak, Shanahan, who disguises his, you know, offensive plays with motion and, and this and movement and this and that. And, you know, Jimmy G's not asked to win the game, but we've seen him in New Orleans in a shootout do his thing. So do you think his experience from watching Brady in two Super Bowls and having two rings but not playing and Shanahan's experience of kind of losing a Super Bowl against those same Patriots after having that big lead and not running the ball, 
he's got now, you know, Coleman might still go with the shoulder, but basically it's, you know, Raheem um, Radio Moister. Raheem. Yeah, Radio Raheem and, and, and Beretta, you know, Beretta, who's, you know, they've been tough, and the offensive line is legit, you know, from McClinchy to Staley to all those guys blocking. This is where if they get down early, if they get up early, they can run the ball, and you don't know if the Chiefs can stop their run. That will be a matchup. But then if they get down, can Jimmy G, under pressure, down 14-3 to into the first quarter, can Jimmy G kind of start throwing it to Debo Samuels and Emmanuel Sanders, nice veteran pickup. We know Emmanuel's clutch. You know, can he get it to those guys? That is yet to be seen, and that's a huge question. Do you believe in Jimmy G, Ray, under pressure? So you bring up really good points. You're always worried about the first-time quarterback. Now, with Patrick Mahomes, he went to the AFC Championship game last year and really only lost because they lost a coin flip, right? It was a tie game going into overtime. And if it wasn't for D. Ford, ironically enough, playing in the game for the other team, if it wasn't for D. Ford's offside penalty, you could argue Kansas City wins the game, Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl. So he has at least deep in the playoffs experience. Jimmy G, this is his first year really going deep in the playoffs as a starter, but sitting behind Tom Brady, you couldn't have a better you know, backseat view of the process with Belichick and Brady. So I'm not worried about Jimmy G in terms of his mental disposition and how well he can handle the pressure and everything like that. I Sometimes he throws a little high. Do you worry about his accuracy? Sometimes he throws a little high. A little bit, but I, I, I'm worried about the scenario that you mentioned, which is kind of the scenario that I'll, I'll reveal a little bit of what I'm thinking, is that mm-hmm. – playing from behind, right? We saw this. I'm never worried about the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they came back from 24. I mean, they could lose, right? I'm not saying they can't lose. But I'm never worried about the scoreboard affecting them, right? They, they were down 24 nothing, and then were leading at halftime, 28-24 in, in the uh, divisional round. It's like a pinball so, game, right? The way that they can <laughs> score so fast, it's insane. Unbelievable, right? And, and in that respect, they're like the greatest show on turf. I mean, they, they are – an unbelievable machine. So if the scenario that you painted of they're up 14-3, they're up by 10, they're up by 14, and San Francisco can't run the ball. Now, now you got to think that Kyle Shanahan is shell-shocked from his loss being up 24 on the New England Patriots a few years back in the Super Bowl, Falcons, and he didn't yeah. run the football – when he was with the Falcons, right? A couple of first downs, and he wins the Super Bowl, and history is different. So I think that playing from ahead, I'm not worried about San Francisco. I am worried, though, if they get down, how they'll play, right? Radio Raheem had the maybe one of the top five games a running back ever had in the playoffs, in the history of the NFL. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to do that again or even close to that. I mean, I'm sure he's not going to do anything close to that. But between Breida and Mostert and, and, a, and a banged-up Coleman, right? And the thing is with that shoulder, one bad hit and he's out of the game. So I'm not looking for Tevin Coleman who can actually make a difference in this game. I don't think he'll be a difference maker. I think that he's going to be on pitch count. I think he's going to be shying away from contact. So No, he might only get two or three field. passes and a screen pass. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm not, yeah, he, I'm not thinking he's going to play much. 
So I don't think Radio Raheem is, uh, you know, he's not the next Marshall Fall. Um, but Jimmy Garoppolo, if push comes to shove and he's got to go make first down and be down 14 when you've got Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, uh, you know, Radio Raheem Mostert, and George Kittle, really I'm only worried about double-teaming George Kittle. Everybody else is a possession receiver, and everybody else I feel comfortable with if I'm the if I'm the Kansas City defense, so where's Marquis? Where's Marquise Goodwin? Can they get him deep down the field? That's their speed guy, and he's been so banged up. I don't know if he's really there. You know, I don't think he's part of the game plan. I think that he is a nice, you know, addition if they can work him in, but. At the end of the day, they really have guys. I mean, Debo Samuel can make plays. So if they can get him He's explosive, space, yeah. If and they him can and Kiddo are definitely yak guys. Those two guys are monsters once they have the ball in their hands. You know, that's That's, that's true. Uh, I, I, again, to me, the, the score is going to dictate the game. The early score is going to dictate the game, right? I think that if this is a close game, San Francisco is going to keep it close and they're going to run the ball. But if this is a, if Kansas City gets out to a lead early, I think it could be lights out. Yeah, no, it's going to be this is this is so fascinating, and it might just be the start of the Patrick Mahomes era. I mean, you know, we'll we'll get to the picks in a second, but we're both really you know leaning towards the Chiefs as a lot of America is. But I'll say this: I I I can see where the Niners win this. It's ball control. It's the play action. It's getting Emmanuel Sanders deep down the field. It's Kittle breaking the yak. It's the Chiefs not being able to blitz enough to stop the run. You know, if the offensive line is so dominant, it's it's that, you know, Shannon, that's where I see where they can do, you know, slow them down and maybe win 26-24. They'd have to be, you know who they'd have to be? They'd have to be the 1990 Giants. Now, the Bills Woo! were a much better team than the Giants in 1990. These two teams are closer than, than those two teams, right? Well, remember, but that team, the, they let Thurman Thomas almost rush for like 200 and just said, we won't let Andre Reid and Jim Kelly beat us. That was Bill Parcells' brilliant play. strategy, and it just worked. And now, ball could, control. Well, also ball control, right? Yeah. Didn't they have the ball 40 to 20 minutes almost? It was a, it was a big-time ball control game and then a wide right and Jeff then Hostetler. you went twenty yeah. to nineteen with a backup quarterback. But it was it was about the and again the, the the difference isn't as great, right? But it was the better team. The Bills were the better team on paper on both sides of the yeah. ball. But the Giants had the better game plan and the Giants kept the game close and the Giants ran the ball and Otis Anderson they just found a way. That was the they case. found a way yeah. to keep the game close and run the ball defense. They like Ben not break right, get give first downs, but ultimately make a stop on third down, kill the drive, and then and then frustrate the other team. Right, the Bills. If they held Kansas City to twenty points, Kansas City would be frustrated. Kansas City is probably in their locker room thinking we're going to put up in the thirties. We're we're going to be in a shootout. The offense anyway, right? They hope the defense holds them down, but the offense wants to be rolling. So if they're if they're only scoring seven points, ten points at the half, Kansas City's going to get frustrated. They might start taking chances. They might start playing outside of their game plan, and that's 
one of the ways I think San Francisco has to do this, they have to take the air out of the ball. They have to control the clock. They have to keep the score down. I don't think they can shoot. They can win a shootout. They've been in a couple shootouts. I hear you, but uh, this is a different. This is a different beast. This Kansas City Chiefs team. So let's look at both franchises. We know the Chiefs are one and one in Super Bowls. Um, obviously, losing to Green Bay and beating Minnesota. Andy Reid has been to six. <laughs> I know, right? Hank Stram, baby, ago. and Len Dawson. Super Bowl But four. Andy Reid himself, right, is 0-1, but he's been to six championship games, five with the Eagles and then the one last year with the Chiefs. Um, you know, he needs this. You know, they have a young GM. And then the Niners, you know, Shanahan's 0-1 in Super Bowls as an OC, first time as a head coach. Um, you know, the Niners themselves are, what, 5-1? Uh, and Because Young has won, Montana 4, and then they lost to the Ravens right. with Kaepernick. Yep. So they're 5-1, and one, and Lynch is 1-0 and oh as a player. So, you know, historically, this is, you know, it, the Chiefs need it. I don't think the Niners need it because they're, they're – the Niners and the Bills were two teams and maybe the Titans – they were a year or two too early, right? They're, they're ahead of schedule. And especially the Niners making it to the Super Bowl. They're still building that roster. They need another corner, you know. But I think this, to me, it screams Andy Reid needs this. Everyone kind of wants him to win it. You feel like the universe is pulling for this. Um, I, you know, it, it's just where it's at, you know. So – we kind of, given the scenario, we want to just give a little shout-out to the NFL Hall of Fame guys. But let's, uh, let's give our picks, man. Let's, let, what, what do you got? How's it going to play out, and what's your score? So I think the nightmare scenario for the Niners plays out in the sense that Kansas City gets the ball early, scores early and often, and plays from ahead which is the scenario that Jimmy G, the Niners, coaching staff, Shanahan, and obviously John Lynch, the architect, don't want to have happen. I think it tames the pass rush, which is essentially the core to the San Francisco defense. And I don't think Joey Bosa and, and Armstead and, and Thomas, I don't think those guys wreak havoc as much as they would in a close Nick, game. Nick, so don't, think, don't, don't give the old, the old brother the credit. It's Nick, baby. Nikki Bosa, sorry, I got the I got the Bosa brother. <laughs> you know what is amazing though? You got to give John Lynch credit, right? Most people are saying, okay, you need a quarterback. Well, a quarterback fell in his lap, right? But most people say, okay, then you got to build the offensive line. He actually went and said, I'm going to spend four first round picks on the defensive line, and and he said it. He said it outright in his in his you know meetings and his staff meetings. He even leaked it out to the. Well, he's to, building you know, it after the, the Tampa team. He knows. He built it after the Tampa team, you know, uh, him and you know, Dungey, what they had kudos, down there. Kudos to him. But putting that aside, okay, so I think Kansas City plays from ahead. Kansas City goes in at the half, ultimately runs away with the game, and in the second half they just maybe trade touchdowns, but ultimately Kansas City wins 31-20. And I guess 31-20 wouldn't be over. They'd certainly cover. Uh, they'd cover the spread, but they wouldn't hit the over. I guess you said the over was 54 right. so and a half. Right, you're taking the so, under and KC with the spread. KC and the under, 31-20. Not the Ray and Tay are gambling. All right, so I see it like this. Let's legal I, in most states now. 
No, no, no. I'm only joking. There's nothing wrong with gambling. This is 2020. You know, we're all becoming, you know, woke or <laughs> understanding adults. Um, I think, you know, the first quarter is something like 7-7, 10-7, 14-10. I think you're going to see, you know, Kittle get off. Moster will, you know, there'll be some running. Um There'll be some confusion. I think Frank Clark is going to come up with a sack. Sizzle will come up with a sack. But I think at the end of the day, you're going to see Sammy Watkins maybe have a flash, a splash play. I think Shady McCoy and Williams with screen passes, probably three each, a little bit of rushing. Maybe Andy surprises us with a little bit of running to keep them off balance. And then Patrick kind of just goes off. I see Patrick throwing for – Three, maybe four touchdowns, and I think, you know, Kelsey, the best, you know, tight end in in the red zone. Kittle might be all-around best tight end, closest to Gronk, um, gets a touchdown. Kelsey, Tariq Hill gets one deep, and after Patrick Mahomes extends the play. And I think the Niners give us a tough game, but I think the Chiefs win. They cover the spread, the over, 31-27. Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid gets his first Super Bowl. Chiefs get their second. And I, I think it's a, a Chiefs party. Real quick Marvel for the Hall of Fame. Who's your, yeah, I was about to say, who's your sleeper? Well, I think Lamar Jackson's a clear-cut MVP. Right? Nicole Hart, yeah, Hardman's a sleeper. Uh, you know, Shady shows up. Tyron Matthew and Richard Sherman might each get an interception. But um, for the Hall of Fame, man, I'm going to go with Corey Holt. Troy Palomalu, Steelers baby. Alan Fanica, another Steeler. Hutchison, and I think it's going to be Lynch or Atwater. I think this might be the year where they're just like, okay, one or two of the safeties are going in. So that's kind of my thoughts on the Hall of Fame. What what five guys are you looking at? Atwater, Hutchinson, I agree with those. You know, I think Edron James is a Hall of Famer. I think that he gets in. Uh, Reggie Wayne gets in. I don't know if he gets in today, but he might. The other sleeper, though, is Zach Thomas. I mean, not sexy. Yeah, I wonder. a lot of work consistently in the middle of that Miami No, he was a tackling machine, yeah. So he might just surprise people. Sam Mills has been waiting for a while. Are you baffled by these Patriots? Not enough Patriots get in. Finally, last year we got Ty Law, but – Willie McGinnis should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's like the best playoff uh, sack leader. You know, like, I'm kind of surprised that this Patriots dynasty. You know, dynasty. I think people, people downgrade the individual players because of the system. They say, oh, it was just Belichick mm. scheming here and there. And there are enough examples of guys when they left New England that didn't perform and maybe even scrambled back like a Jamie Collins of the world, you know, Um so yeah, but McGinnis was the he kind of, of he was the one that let that put in the structure, and I think also the the safety on NBC, uh, what's his name, our guy, Ronnie Harris. Um, right, Ronnie yeah, Harris, he yeah. Didn't disrespected. He was great safety. Uh, who well, he was great corn. for I mean, the Chargers. He was amazing for the Chargers he was and the with Chargers the Patriots. Before he came, so he Patriots needs to true. get him and McGinnis need to get in in the next two or three years too. 
think I think we're you know, we know the offensive rookie of the okay. year, Ray, it's got to be Kyler Murray, right? And then defensive rookie of the year is Nick Bosa. Yeah, sure. Sure. I you mean, know, and so. they are the one and two Who's picks in the draft. Who's your coach of the year, though? Is your coach yeah. of the year Shanahan? You have to give it to him. Or After Rabel? winning five games last year, you got to give it to Shanahan. I think, uh, look, what about it, there Rabel, are a lot though? of worthy people. Rabel, well, if you took into account the postseason, you might give it to Rabel. And given the fact that he went from Mariota to Ryan Tannehill was a cast-off. Well, that's what I'm Miami thinking Dolphins. during the season. No one saw, you know, that, yeah. I, you probably, I Shanahan know, will the probably get it. But... Shanahan will get it. You know, you could argue, you could make the argument for Mike Zimmer getting some votes. There's a bunch of people who could, who could get some votes. Um, but, yeah, I got to give it to Shanahan. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's hosted by Steve Harvey again. Should be a lot of fun. Fox, Saturday night. You know, February 1st, the Super Bowl, obviously. We got Shakira and J-Lo, so it's Miami. Should be a lot of fun. The last time it was in Miami, we had our guy, Prince, with Purple Rain, and it was raining for the Bears-Colts. That was insane. So it, it should be fun. Everybody, you know, hope you enjoy the commercials. Um, yeah, what's your favorite Super Bowl snack? What are you snacking on in the Super Bowl? Um, You're getting healthy these days, but what are you snacking on? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, for me, I'm, I might drizzle a little uh, chocolate on some almonds. Um, I tend to do the um, gluten-free potato chips <laughs> with some hummus. Uh, people might think I'm boring, you know, just be me, my wife, and the kids watching the game. But, you know, we'll make it fun. Um, definitely a little bit of uh, uh, popcorn, you know, some uh, salted caramel maybe on the popcorn. And I, I kind of just drink water. A special treat for me is getting some iced tea. Maybe I'll have a Corona. <laughs> yeah, put on a Corona. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you uh, you keeping it at home with the girls and wifey or? Yeah, yeah, I'm keeping it at home. I'm probably gonna do a little guacamole, maybe some wings. But yeah, we were keeping it at home this year. Uh, it's yeah, funny. Somebody said, "Let's go out." And watch it at a bar. I said, wait a minute. I want to watch it at home. I want to hear the commercials. I want to hear the commentary. I don't want to be yeah, out there. Super Bowl's you not a bar to me. That's weird. It's never been a bar thing for me, the Super Bowl. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, if we both pick the Chiefs, just give us a score. If the Niners can pull off this, I don't want to say upset, but if the Niners could pull it off, what would be the score for them to win? To me, they have to win a low-scoring game, so it's 23-20. Mm. And I would say if they win, it would it would be, yeah, no more than three touchdowns. I would say 26-24, um, and that would be like a, a Robbie Gold field goal at the end to win it, um, a la Adam You know, if the Niners style. win, if the Niners win, that means they're up in that uh, – Six Super Bowl win Steelers, category. Steeler, Patriot, yeah. They're trying exactly. to join the Steelers, Steelers and the Patriots. Patriots and Niners. Well, uh, they're already in the league I mean, franchise, but but if they do, that's great for them. And and you know what? And the Chiefs win their third. That's also elite. You know, not many teams are in well, that elite second, category. Yeah, it Sorry, be their third second. appearance, second yeah. second win, and that that's that's a elite category as well. So it should be a great game. Um, it really is going to define potentially the future for the NFL. Patrick Mahomes might be the 
he might be the face of the, he's already the face of the league, but if he wins the Super Bowl in his second year, he's certainly in his second full season as the starting quarterback, he's he's by far going to be the face of the NFL. If he wins, are you sick to your stomach if you're a Chicago Bear fan that you drafted Mitchell Trubisky and traded up for him? <laughs> well, of course, but everybody behind him, right? Think about Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, how there were 10 guys picked where they weren't even in consideration. Uh, it's You know, as we always say, and just so you guys know, Ray and Tay could definitely be general managers in the NFL. When you hear about these guys, Joe Judge, 30-whatever years old, and this one, that old, you know, it just – it sometimes you're just like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, we could totally build a team better than the Cleveland Browns and stuff like that. And I, I have to just I have to just joke joke on you before we end the show with, with Jason Garrett. You want to talk about nepotism and complete foolishness. There's no way the New York football giants should have or even considered hiring Jason Garrett as the OC. It's utterly disgusting, and that franchise is doomed for it. I'm sorry, Ray. I, I just can't. I cannot. That's and a little bit extreme, but I hear you, and uh... – Look, he was He's proven nothing as an offensive coordinator. He's lost it well, so many the, times. He was the up-and-coming offensive coordinator, but that was 10, 12 years ago. And then he took over the job from Wade Phillips and really hasn't shown his offensive genius in a decade, oh, if never. he ever was a genius. His clock management is just though, as bad as Andy Reid's or worse. Are you kidding me? He's horrible. Yeah, that's true. Wow. The one thing I will say, though, just in brief, is that – the Giants, it's not a bad move to get somebody who was a head coach because, as one of your coordinators, and especially your offensive Well, because you have a young guy. head coach. No, I, I get that, but right. there's other guys that could be doing that. How about Jim Caldwell, a quarterback whisperer, okay? What he did for Matthew well, Stafford and what he did with though. Peyton Manning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's for the sure, guy you go to. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, it should be a great Super Bowl. Rest in peace, Kobe, Gianna, and the seven others in that tragic uh, helicopter crash. And Ray, Ray is the one who sent me the text. I, 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 I didn't. I, I still don't believe it, and surely didn't believe it when you sent me the text. And then I go to Twitter, and I'm just. Um, it's been hard for uh, Elijah Dukes, my oldest son, big time Kobe fan, and thankfully Ray, I took him to see Kobe, 2012 against the Phoenix Suns, Steve Nash's return to Phoenix, and Nash and Kobe, we saw them live, great seats, almost courtside, watching Kobe play. Awesome. Awesome memory. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and tonight, go be with your family, go spend time with your loved ones, and enjoy life. That's all you can do. Another great show. Ray and Tay has returned, and um, we might surprise you. And, and and come back again, and if we do, and when real we soon, do, we might have some interviews. Oh, we could do some NBA some guests, previews. Guests. We've got some some content up our sleeve. Don't you worry. Keep it tuned to Ray and Tay today. Talking sports with friends. We're out. Peace. <laughs>